Mindfulness Mode 300. What's cool is you can do some simple swaps and lower your sugar impact, and it's going to impact your blood sugar stability, which is everything, your energy, your focus, and your waistline. You're listening to Mindfulness Mode, and I'm your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Thanks so much for joining today here on Mindfulness Mode. Yay, we've arrived at episode 300. I'm so excited. Let's celebrate. This is what I'm doing. I'm giving out free mugs to you, Mindful Tribe. If you subscribe to MindfulnessMode.com, I'll send you a Mindfulness Mode mug. Let me repeat. This is all you need to do. Subscribe to Mindfulness Mode on whatever app you're listening on. Then send me an email at bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and tell me that you've subscribed and tell me why you enjoy the show. Do that and I'll send you a Mindfulness Mode mug. Here's a comment I received recently. It says this, I really enjoyed the interview with Dr. Masley. I've already shared this episode with some family members who are likely in the 50% bracket of Americans with pre-diabetes and foggy brains. I'd rather them hear this important info from this podcast than from me. And that message is from Tara. Thanks so much, Tara, for leaving that message. And that episode that was referred to was 284. So just go to mindfulnessmode.com slash 284. The episode was Discover the Better Brain Solution with Dr. Stephen Masley. My guest today for episode 300 is a television celebrity. She's been on Dr. Phil as a health and wellness regular for two years, and she's been on a lot of TV shows. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview today with the amazing and wonderful JJ Virgin. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I am super excited today. I've got JJ Virgin here. Hey, JJ, are you in mindfulness mode today? I don't know, you know, (laughs) I found it a bit intimidating. I was like, am I being mindful today? Am I an autopilot? But Bruce, I'm going to like throw out there that maybe there are some things we need to be on autopilot with. So just going to lay that one out there. Well, that's a good thought. We definitely need to be on autopilot sometimes. It helps us immensely. And, And I think the thing is, it's true. We're not always in mindfulness mode. Sometimes we are, sometimes we aren't. But let me share, JJ, a little bit about you with Mindful Tribe. JJ Virgin is a celebrity nutrition and fitness expert. If you haven't heard of JJ, you are probably not on this planet because she's all over the media. She's been on lots of TV shows and so on. She teaches clients how to eliminate food and carb intolerances so they can transform their health and their lives. As co-host of TLC's Freaky Eaters and health expert on Dr. Phil, JJ is a prominent TV and media personality, as I said. Appearances on PBS, Dr. Oz, Rachel Ray, Access Hollywood, and The Today Show. Uh, JJ is the author of four New York Times best-selling books, The Virgin Diet, The Virgin Diet Cookbook, JJ Virgin's Sugar Impact Diet, and JJ Virgin's Diet Impact Cookbook. But her latest book is called Miracle Mindset, which shows warrior moms how to be strong, positive leaders. 
for their families. And I'm thinking that may involve some elements of mindfulness. But JJ, what does mindfulness mean to you? How would you define it in your life? You know, it's so funny when I was looking at, at some of the questions you were going to ask, I'm like, what the heck does mindfulness mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, for me, it is probably my biggest challenge. I'll be honest with you, because for me, it means being present. Yes. And I think for all entrepreneurs, we tend to be like, "Woo, we're out there. We're like, we're, I'm, I'm always on to the next thing. I have a great business coach, Dan Sullivan, who talks about living in the gap. And it is that, you know, you're always looking to the horizon and you're never saying, wow, what I did was great. So um, that's been very helpful for me is just to focus on on what I need to do to be present. And I find if I don't do that first thing in the morning, like the day is just wonky. And what does it look like first thing in the morning? Do you meditate or how do you get that focus? So it's interesting. Um I've been trying a lot of different things. I've have I have my go-to that I've been doing for 25 years. And over the last couple months, I started dabbling with some different things. And I discovered that my go-to really is what works best for me. And it's it's very old school. In fact, I know you're gonna ask about an app, so I'm gonna show you my app. All right. So yes. here's my app. This is my app. It's a journal. It's a journal, okay. A standard so, journal. I do something very interesting with these journals. Um I, so I like to every day pull out my journal and write down at least three things I'm grateful for. And then I just blurt anything else out. It could just be what I'm working on in business. It could be something I'm struggling with. It's just kind of like whatever comes out, I just write it Mm -hmm. all down. I just get it out there on paper. When I'm done with a journal, I throw it away. Oh, you don't go back and read it over again. I don't go back and read it over again. And I've got some friends who actually have saved these all. And I'm like, that's so cool. But in my mind, I don't want to look back. Right. I want to stay. In fact, what I'm trying to really work on is being more here than being too far forward. I think we need to have a great balance of the two, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I easily go forward instead of staying where I'm at. Um, In fact, you talked about my book, The Miracle Mindset. My son when my kids were 15 and 16, I kept I kept every morning writing in my journal. Right. Be careful what you ask for. I kept saying, I need to be more present for my kids. Yet all of these opportunities for me to be pr- more present kept showing up and I kept missing them, right? Right. Until my son was the victim of a hit and run and my next, uh, you know, when he was in a coma in the hospital, I got super duper present. And I was like, be you know be careful what you ask for like pay attention when you keep getting opportunities for things but sometimes they get too big otherwise so well, sometimes when we ask for something we don't know what it's going to look exactly. like when we receive it isn't that right and then the funny thing is JJ you said this was old school but of course that is old school but everybody's talking about gratitude you know everybody's talking about you know sit down write what you're grateful for and you're describing exactly that so it works for you. It's powerful. Does it help you be present and mindful, do you think? You know, I think it helps. It's it's really, I look at framing my day. <clears throat> and what I found is this was what happened. So my son was the victim of a hit and run, left for dead in the street at 16. And I had to launch a New York Times bestseller, my first one, bedside with him in a coma. It was the craziest time. And I had these strategies in place then that really took me through that. And I figure if it helped me through that, it can help me through anything. Uh-huh. It was 
every morning it's it's how to really frame your day and so every morning was gratitude and that did that just got me into the right mental space out of fear you know because there was there was it would have been easy to get consumed with fear at the time both for what was going on with my son and what could potentially go on with my business and which was the only way I was supporting my son right so yes. and then at the end of the day I would also sit down and go okay what were the wins today what were the little miracles today what went well today which I think is a great one if you're a parent to sit down and do with your kids and it's a great one when you're leading a team if you have a business to sit down and do with your team it's like well what what were the wins? What were the good things today? Because we'll focus so much on what I didn't get done or what went wrong. Yes. And you forget that, like, I literally forgot I was sitting at a mastermind meeting and they said, write down the three things you're most proud of over the last six months. And I'm like, yeah, I got nothing. And I'd forgotten that the Sugar Impact Diet Cookbook had become a New York Times bestseller. I just, it was like, I just didn't have anything. <laughs> I mean, it was like ridiculous. Talk about not staying in the focused moment of wins. And then in that framing of gratitude in the morning and those little wins, the what went well today, I also have a little pattern interrupt that can also help you be present and mindful. And it is, um, I'm one of those people that's prone to anxiety and I've had to really learn how to manage my biochemistry and prone to overwhelm. It's when I get overwhelmed, then I get anxious. Okay. All, all hell breaks loose. And so if I see myself going down that path, what I've learned to do is pick up. So this, this could potentially be, it's sort of like an app, but not really is I'll take my phone and I will text someone and I will tell them what I appreciate about them. Great idea. And nothing breaks up your bad mood, your stress, your like crabby behavior faster than sending out a, an appreciation text to someone else. Because the minute you do that, they're like, wow, you know, they throw you back all this stuff. So even though you were giving, you end up getting tenfold what you gave, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about was your sugar impact diet and how sugar does impact us. And we're talking about processed sugar here as opposed to natural sugars. No, we're not. Right. Well, t okay, let's talk. Let's talk. Tell us, how does sugar impact us? This is why I wrote the book, Bruce. That's well, exactly clear why I wrote it, because there's so much confusion around sugar. And what's the difference between natural and processed sugar? I mean, re in reality, you have the little sugar packet, and I love the one that says sugar in the raw. What they yes. do, dyed, they, they took the sugar, processed it, and then dyed it brown. Um, but, you know, you have that, and then you have honey. The minute it hits your mouth, your body doesn't know the difference. There might be a little bit of stuff, especially if you get raw, local, organic honey, there'd be a little bit of things in there, but you still have the biochemical response of sugar, raising blood sugar, raising insulin, and creating all sorts of wreaking havoc that's going to happen whether it's been processed or not. So the deal is sugar is our number one drug of choice, and it is sneaking into places we'd never expect. And we've been really looking at it all wrong. And after I wrote The Virgin Diet, the biggest question I got asked was about sugar. And I realized we really needed a new framework to address it because most of us don't sit down and go, you know what, I'm going to eat a lot of sugar today. That's what I'm going to do for my health. But yet we're making these healthy choices, like we're having the green drink, not realizing that that green drink at the store 
There's one called Naked Naked Juice um, Green Machine, 44 okay. grams of sugar, more sugar than a soda. And yet people are grabbing those things thinking they're doing a good thing for themselves or they're getting the agave syrup because it's at the health food store and they think it's good because it says low glycemic, not understanding that it may not raise your blood sugar because it goes straight to the liver, the only organ that can metabolize it, where it's turned into fat and it can give you fatty liver. So that's the challenge is we don't understand these things. And so I set out to create a new framework that took fructose into account, that looks at the impact of different foods on blood sugar and insulin response, and then contrast that to why we eat food for the nutrient density and the fiber so that you can make better choices. And because there's a big difference between eating an apple or having apple juice. There's a difference between a grape and a raisin, right? And so once you understand that, then you can make the right choices, right? And live and really get the sugar out of your diet. Because most of us, we get up in the morning, we might go have a skinny latte because we're being good, not realizing how much sugar is in that skim milk because they took the fat out. All that's left is the sugar. Then we had a healthy morning muffin because it looked like it was great, had little, you know, a little signs of wheat on it, yeah. not realizing how much sugar was put into that. And I'll just say, oh, you know, naturally sweetened and sweetened with honey. And honey has is glucose and fructose. It's going to jack, hijack your blood sugar. And then you had a snack mid-morning and you thought you were going to be good. So maybe you had a little bit of a a light yogurt, not realizing that that light yogurt had fruit juice concentrate at the bottom, apple juice concentrate, more fructose than a soda. And lunch, you were being good. So you had a salad, you had raspberry vinaigrette and you had candied fruit and you had candied walnuts. So you basically had a sundae, right? And then dinner, maybe you had um, some marinara sauce, which if you eat most of those marinara sauces, they have more sugar than Oreo cookies do, right? Wow. Yes. And then you had the the gluten pasta, which is very insulin producing. So you create all of this stuff thinking you're being good, not realizing how much sugar is sneaking in. And what's cool is you can do some simple swaps and lower your sugar impact, and it's going to impact your blood sugar stability, which is everything, your energy, your focus, and your waistline. Because for a lot of people they can lose weight, but they can't lose your waist. And if you lose weight and your waist doesn't change, you actually make yourself worse, not better. Really? I did not know that. Yes, you do. Yes, because your waist is your actual barometer. First of all, you cannot be over fat and healthy. So I remember in the 70s, Covert Bailey, or maybe it was the 80s, wrote fit or fat. No, you can't be fit. He, he, his premise was you could be fit and fat. No, you can't. If you are over fat, which 70% of our population now is overweight or obese, 40% obese, and of the rest of the 30%, 50% of those people are skinny fat. So we only have 15% of the population that's ideal body composition now. And so if you're over fat, that fat has its own hormonal system and it's very inflammatory. And the most majority of that's really around your waist. This is the worst of the fat. So if you start losing weight and you're not losing the fat around your waist, it's actually a sign that you're insulin resistant, that you've got adrenal problems, you're making yourself worse, not better. And it could be too that you're also losing muscle, which is why you always have to check what your weight's made up of, right? Right. JJ, I want to talk to you about fasting, intermittent fasting. This seems to be talked about a lot these days. What are your opinions on intermittent fasting? So I think that intermittent fasting, first of all, there's something that I like to do every single day, and it's kind of a form of that. 
remember when it first came out and it was, you could eat the first part of intermittent fasting that really hit the States because right. the, the first book was in Britain that I know of. And then it came over here and it was the eight hour diet. I don't remember the name of the book, but the basic premise was you could eat whatever you wanted as long as you only ate during eight yes. hours. And I'm thinking this, you know, of course this sold like hotcakes. How awesome. I can have pizza for eight hours straight. And it literally was, you could eat as much as you wanted, as often as you wanted, but just for eight hours. All right. We know this is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Right. Um, and I work in the world of food intolerance. Right. If you're eating things like gluten and dairy that you're intolerant to, you're going to be inflamed. It doesn't matter if you eat it during eight hours or 24 hours, but there is a lot to when you eat. We tend to focus a lot now on what you eat. The other part of that equation is the when, and the when is super important because you want to eat during the normal circadian rhythm, you know, eat within an hour or two of waking up, stop eating three or four hours before bed. If anything, if you're going to skip a meal, evening's the meal to skip, not morning, but morning, you can start a little bit later, but what you really want to get is a 12 to 14 to even 16 hour overnight fast. The reason being you want to not eat right before bed. You want to have a good window of you know hours before you go to sleep because you want to have your stomach empty, which raises something called ghrelin, which triggers the response of growth hormone. So think about it. when we're sleeping, we want growth hormone high. We want to be healing and repairing, not digesting. So that's the first part. Also, if you just ate mechanically, you're washing stomach acid back up against your esophagus, you can get GERD. Um, but the second part is we know that if you give yourself that long fast, you lower insulin, you can access stored fat for fuel, redu you reduce inflammation. So there's so many great um, benefits for having that longer fast that are super critical, but the biggest ones are anti-aging and weight loss and reducing inflammation. So super, super key. There's also great benefits to fasting in general. <clears throat> it isn't something I do very well personally. And I find with a lot of women, especially with thyroid, adrenal, or fertility issues, that they have challenges there. So that's when you really have to see how that works for you. But I find everyone can do more of the start with a 12-hour overnight fast. I have people extend. So you start with a 12-hour, then try to take to a 14-hour. And especially on the weekends, you know, if you're sleeping in late, eat breakfast a little later, maybe make it a early lunch and then have an early dinner. So we might eat around 11 and then eat again around five and that's it. Sure. Okay. That makes sense. Now I, I visited my doctor recently and he said, Bruce, I want you to lower your cholesterol. Your bad cholesterol is a little bit higher than I want it to be. I want you to lower that. I said, okay, tell me, what do you want me to do? Well, what do you think the answer should be? What should I do to lower that cholesterol? So I'm going to back right. up and say, first, we have to make sure that the number is really a problem because you can't just look at cholesterol. We used to think that there was, we used to look only at total right. cholesterol. Then we went, oh, there's bad and good HDL and LDL. Actually, now we know that that's not even the case, that there's oh. HDL and LDL. And within both of those, there's bad and good. And really you want to, what I would say is if you have a cholesterol test where you find out that your LDL cholesterol is elevated and your HDL is decreased, the next step is to get a fractionated cholesterol test because you want to find out in your LDL is more of it fluffy or dense. The dense pits the endothelial lining and makes that placking problem. And you want to find the same thing out with the HDL because one of the challenges we know with statin drugs is they actually lower the fluffy LDL, which isn't creating any problems. 
And that's the problem. So the first thing you want to look at is you need to look at those. You also want to look at your genetics. You want to look at your APOE gene, because if you have a four genotype, especially a four, four, you need to follow a lower fat diet. It actually can create problems. And I tend to put most people on higher fat diets, but that's when we have to check. You also want to look at fibrinogen, how sticky is your blood? You want to look at your insulin. You want to look at your vitamin D. You want to look at your triglyceride right. to HDL ratio. So there's a whole lot of stuff you need to look at. You just pick that one thing out in a vacuum. Having said that, if you want to have better lipid balance, because it's not just that one thing, it's making sure that your LDLs are fluffy, that your HDL, fluffy HDLs are elevated, that your triglycerides ideally are around 75 or lower, that you've got a good vitamin D level. Um, when you look at all of this stuff, the best program that I to follow, the one I put together for this was the sugar impact diet. And it really is about lowering your sugar impact. The biggest thing that hijacks your cholesterol is sugar and, and these very starchy carbohydrates. So um, fructose right. being super bad here because it's going to really crank up your triglycerides. Um, but that's what I would look at first is, is elevating your fiber, getting good blood sugar balance, getting in good healthy fats, especially fish oil, which can help lower triglycerides. Um, exercise can help bump up your HDLs, but it's really about looking at all those things and going, where are the issues? Then looking at your diet and your lifestyle, because poor sleep can make you insulin resistant. Stress can make you insulin resistant. Um, and of course, diet can too. And that's, that's really what they're looking at is this process to, are you getting diabetes or heart disease? It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. Well, that's really fascinating. And you've really detailed that out very specifically. I love that. And, uh, you know, I am taking vitamin D supplements. And always take it with K. Must take vitamin oh, D really? with K. If you take vitamin D without K, you actually increase your risk of atherosclerosis because, yeah, you must always take vitamin D with K. The only exception is if someone's on a blood thinner, then they need to work with their doctor. But um, it is dangerous to take vitamin D without K because vitamin D improves calcium absorption. K directs it to the right places. You do not want calcium gone rogue in your, in your body if with elevated cholesterol, because if you have any um, issues with your endothelium, you can direct the, the calcium straight to the plaque to the areas that are problematic. I see. Well, I haven't heard of K before. Does that not come with vitamin D? If it's so important, why isn't it in that vitamin D pill I'm taking? Well, maybe it is in the one I'm taking. I don't know. It's in mine. Um, hopefully it is, but I see a lot that aren't, and I'm not quite sure why. Um, it's silly, but you want to optimize your vitamin D to 80 to, to 50 to 80 NGs per ml. And then another thing men always need to look at is their ferritin levels because um, elevated serum ferritin can also you know, create problems. Very interesting. JJ, I've worked in bullying prevention for some time, and I've found that mindfulness and bullying can really dovetail each other. Mindfulness can help immensely. Do you have a story where mindfulness would have made a difference in a bullying situation? Well, you know, mindfulness actually did make a difference in the in a bullying situation. I'm not, you know, yes, I think bullying obviously has a whole spectrum, right? Um, the outright obvious, like, you know, we had my obvious when I was in elementary school, we had a bully okay. that I shut down who was bullying one of my girlfriends, you know, I 
just stepped in. Like I was always the tall kid. I'm six feet tall. And she was a little five foot tall Japanese gal. And this kid was <laughs> bullying her. And I just stepped in front and was like, yeah. go ahead, hit her. You know, <laughs> it's like, you'll have to hit, hit through me first, which shut it all down. Um, so there's the obvious bully. But I think even more dangerous is the um, is that kind of bully who is emotionally bullying right. or, you know, bullying by telling you the way it's going to be. And when my son was hip, was the victim of a hit and run, our first doctor at the first hospital was a bully. He um, was the head of the trauma center there. Now this was in Palm Springs. So they're used to having 70 and 80 year old people come in. And if my son was 80 years old and right. came in in that condition, there's no way he would have made it. But my son was 16. And this doctor literally looked at us and said, your son is not going to make it through the night. He needs to have another surgery, but he'd never survive the airlift. Even if he did, he wouldn't survive the, uh, the surgery. And even if he did, he'd be so brain wow. damaged. It wouldn't be worth it. You have to let him go. I call that a bully. I know my 15 year old son stood right up to this guy and said, yeah, so 0.25% chance he'd make it. And that's when the doctor said, that sounds about right. And my son said, so we'll take those odds. And uh, I looked sure. at that doctor. I go, you're overruled. You need to get the paperwork going. <laughs> but, you know, I think that the stronger your why is, like I just watched Simon Sinek's TED Talk again, so he's friend of mine. The stronger your why is, the tougher time a bully's going to have with you. Because my why was my yeah. son's going to be 110% and you need to get out of my way, dude. You know? And uh, so, you know, make that why front and center. And the greatest thing about a bully is the minute you shut them down, generally they slink off. <laughs> so or move on to somebody else or some other situation. Yes, they do. Someone else who doesn't have a strong enough why, a big enough purpose out there that they can push you around. <laughs> Right. Well, you know, it's incredible, you know, to hear that story of your son and how you pulled through and you pulled for him. How is he now? It has been a long road. You know, the doctor in the hospital, so he survived the airlift and he survived the surgery. And uh, then he was in a coma for weeks. And then he was in one hospital for two and a half months and then the next hospital for two months. And then we actually brought him out of the hospital sooner than they recommended because I felt he'd do better mm -hmm. at home. And it's been five and a half years there, five years. And um, all I was told was that when he woke up from the coma, it would be ugly. And um, no preparation for this would be ugly for years and years to come. It's interesting when you look at brain injuries, 5 million people are disabled at any one time in the United States because of a brain injury. And by the way, if you hit your head, you hurt your brain. And I think most of us have had some kind of traumatic brain injury. We're not aware of it. It could be one of the reasons we have so much depression, um, memory loss, dementia. And so what people don't tell you is the mood swings, the isolation, the depression, the suicide. I mean, 25% of brain injured people try or think about suicide. It's a massive thing. And uh, so I'm doing everything I can now to help get more of this information out because what I was told is there's nothing you can do. It's just time. Mm. And I, I said, nothing, you know, I was baiting them because the minute I knew that they believed that there was nothing you could do, I knew that there was no point in having any further conversation right. with them that I was just going to go do all my stuff, but I just do it behind their back, which is what I did. We did high dose fish oil, progesterone, um, we had 
acupressure. We got acupuncture as soon as he got out of the hospital. We did hyperbaric stem cells, CBD, uh, neurofeedback. And in a lot of ways, he's better than he was before the accident. He has a little hearing loss in the one ear. They said he'd never hear out of again. He's like, well, yes, I will. And, um, you know, he's definitely got some memory deficit, but every time we do a stem cell injection, more comes back and he is in so many ways better than before the accident. And in reality, our whole family is mm -hmm. better than before the accident. Cause as you know, um, we don't get better when things are easy. True enough. <laughs> you know? True That's enough. not when we grow. Right. Yeah. So what an incredible story. An incredible story, how you came through. JJ, as we move forward toward the end of the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are, are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? It's actually my first mentor, Kay Smith, um, who really gave me all the tools, including the journal with the gratitude that helped me save my son. They mm -hmm. just became habits. And I think that's the key thing habits. These things got to become habits in order to make a difference. I agree with you. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, JJ? Um, the way they've helped my emotions is I tend to be very, um, I'm a quick start in the Colby. I'm a red in the color code personality. I'm very reactive, very quick to move. And being mindful allows me to take a breath and not overreact. Mm. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Breathing's one I've got to work on there, Bruce, a lot more. Is it? It's interesting. I was just doing a uh, podcast interview yesterday with a gal who told me about a new app, and I'm like, I need to get that one. Um, either that or I've got to get my butt into yoga, something. So yes, that reminder. <laughs> so powerful. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? Well, I have this book over here. It's called Miracle Mindset. Actually, we're re retitling it Warrior Mom for the warrior moms and dads out there. But it really goes through all of those mindsets that I was taught by that mentor that helped me save my son and get us through this and thrive. Mm, warrior Mom. That sounds like a great title. Thank you. So can you share an app then that helps you to be more mindful? You know, I, my best app is my is my journal. I know that's Just like not an you app, said. Um, but honestly, I think what helps me be more mindful is to get away from my phone. Yeah, yeah, and I think if more of us did that, I think that would be. I'm so old school. I've got notepads like every day, even though my phone's got my calendar. I write everything down. It just it's how I've always learned. It's how it's, uh, there's something so powerful about connecting pen to paper. And, uh, you know, just like another app that I use is I have a garden outside, I go walk in it. You know, I think that as we get more and more technology into our lives, we've got to go back more and more to our beginnings and uh, not lose that part of it. In fact, I'll tell you two of the things Grant's done to heal his brain is art and gardening. Okay. And they were he wasn't into before. Those were things that he picked up. I've got like some of his art around here, but those were things that he intuitively knew to do to heal. Yeah, well, art is incredible how it can help you in, in your own, uh, with your goals, with what you accomplish, everything. And, and I totally agree with your thoughts on journaling. I carry a notebook in my pocket all the time and I'm always jotting things down on there. And, you know, I feel, I feel bad for kids that are growing up in our schools these days that are not taught 
to do cursive writing. They're not taught, you know, they're just taught, you know, grab your keyboard or grab your device and put something in there. And I think we need to be teaching our kids to write things down just like you're describing. Mm Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's been really great talking with you. And this, you know, your new book that's coming out, Warrior. It's actually Miracle Mindset, what we did. And this is something interesting to think about. You know, when I, the book was coming out, I knew it was the best book I'd ever produced, like hands down, most powerful, but I knew the title wasn't right. Okay. It was too late. So I was like, all right, we got to go for it. I was doing an interview for Mark Hyman's Better Brain documentary, a broken brain documentary, and they said something about, we had to include you, you're just a badass mom. I said, I'm a warrior mom. And I immediately called my publisher, I go, oh my gosh, they should, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I know. So we're changing it. Either one when you go to look for it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, When when is the book released? It is, well, so Miracle Mindset's out right now, and then we're putting it out as Warrior Mom for Mother's Day. Oh, perfect. That's good timing. Yeah. Yes. Well, how can Mindful Tribe connect with you and learn more about what you do, JJ? Uh, best is jjvirgin.com. That's where you can get to my social media and blogs and podcasts and all those fun things. JJ, it has been terrific having you on the show today. I want to thank you so much for being part of Mindfulness Mode. Thank you. I appreciate you. Yeah. Awesome. Have a great rest of your day, JJ. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye now. Mindful Tribe, I hope you've enjoyed today's interview number 300 with JJ Virgin. If you did enjoy it and you probably subscribed already, all you need to do is send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com, telling me you've subscribed. Tell me why you like the show and I will send you that Mindfulness Mode mug. So join in the celebration, the 300th episode celebration, and leave me a comment, and I will uh, mention that comment on an upcoming episode. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.